Well, it is really good to be with you guys. Uh, I'm excited. I feel like I've got something that's burning on my heart, and I trust that God's going to speak through it. Uh, I just thought I would start this place and just maybe ask you guys, have you ever been caught um, where maybe your spouse or someone's talking to you, but you're not really paying attention? Katie, just plug your ears. Have you ever been caught where they, they're telling you something and you're just not there? You're trying to figure out what fishing lure you want to use tomorrow or how to fix your lawnmower, but your mind is just not there. And then they have to repeat it and they get really upset and frustrated. Am I, am I alone? So it, it's almost as if you can hear, but you're not really listening. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other, and all of a sudden it's just gone. Um, or have you ever looked in the fridge and you just cannot find what you're looking for and you go, babe, where did you put the cream? And she goes, it's right in front of your face. And literally it's right there. You know, you can see it, but you can't see it. You know what I mean? You know, Jesus talked in parables often and he talked and he referenced this thing of preaching to ears that could hear. And I just think that we often just get so busy sometimes that we just aren't quite paying attention. And I think what Jesus was saying when he was referencing ears that hear was, you know, are we actually listening? Are we actually paying attention? Or are we just so busy in what we're doing that we're not really uh, digesting the information? Are we not paying attention? And I think I felt challenged over this time because I really believe that God is speaking. But are we listening? God is speaking, and are we listening? Or in the busyness of everything that's been happening lately, are we just kind of allowing it to sort of go in one ear and out the other? Do we have ears that hear? And I really want to encourage you guys because I believe God is not only speaking, um, that he wants to do something as he's speaking, that he's telling us what he's about to do, that he's, he's communicating with us. And, you know, I want to encourage you to, to press in. Now is a time for us to dig in and pay attention to what God is doing and what God is saying. And, you know, as we look at the scripture tonight, and as I share with you the, the, the word that I have burning in my heart, I want to look at this thing of living a life that glorifies God. I want to look at living a life that glorifies God. And, you know, in the midst of this strange and interesting time, uh, we get to look inward and reflect a little. And I, I want to share through the scripture in 1 Peter, I think it's a great place that we can relate to. In 1 Peter, Peter's writing to a group of people, and he's writing to this dispersed group of believers, okay? They're scattered all over Asia at the moment. And, you know, when you consider this, you know, in the early days when the apostles, when Jesus had ascended to heaven, the apostles were gathering and, you know, the Holy Spirit came and all these salvations were happening and people were selling all their stuff and bringing it to the apostles' feet. You know, in that moment, it was just this bliss. It was amazing. All this stuff was happening. But then the people dispersed. Some opposition came and they were spread out all over the place. You know, the, the fun times, those, those highs that they once had, it, it all looked different now. And he's writing to a dispersed church. And I think about this, and I think about people that were dealing with some differences. They were dealing with opposition and change. And I think we can relate to that, maybe us. And, and as a church body, we can relate. Because maybe the frills and the comforts of what was as we gathered together just aren't there anymore. You know, you didn't get uh, a nice coffee at the door from our baristas when you came in, if you're, if you're joining us here in person. You know, you didn't, uh, you didn't get to drop your kids off at the kids' service and then go, hey, I'm free for an hour. So we don't have the kids' services happening. You know, for a while, we weren't even able to meet in person. I'm grateful and I'm thankful that we can do that. But that wasn't happening. You know, for those of you that are huggers, we have huggers. Guess what? You can't hug. 
things look different, right? And I think for us, we've been as a church, just it's causing us to ask big questions and kind of look at things because how we're gathering and what we're doing doesn't have the frills. It doesn't have the nice stuff that we're so used to and accustomed to. And, you know, I kind of wonder, like, have we, have we maybe traded the presence of God for this, this nice, fluffy atmosphere where everything's comfortable? You know, and I believe that God wants to pour out his presence, not just here as we gather corporately, but from house to house. But have we just settled for what's comfortable and convenient? God wants to pour out. God wants to move. And I don't want us I don't want me, I don't want to miss what he's doing because my ears aren't hearing. I don't want to miss what he's doing and what he's saying. And I don't want you to miss it because God is moving and God is speaking. And I promise you this, that you might not realize it, but you're hungrier for his presence than you realize. You're hungrier for his presence than you realize. Have you ever just not eaten for a time and then all of a sudden You know, you take a bite of something and you go, man, I'm hungry. And you just plow through a plate of food. Man, I'm telling you right now, it's just like that with the presence of God. Spend some time and press in because once you get a taste, you're going to realize how hungry and thirsty you are for his presence. And God has called us to live this life with his presence active in our lives. And, And he called us to live this life that brings glory to God. So when Peter's addressing this group that we can all relate to, let's read the scripture now. I'm going to pick up in verse 3. It says, in, in 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, though you, sorry, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtained, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's a lot in this passage. And I'm just going to take some time and we're going to digest a bit of this. We're going to chew through this. We can just hear it, right? And it can kind of go in one ear and out the other. And oh, that sounded good. But why don't we just look a little deeper? Let's see what it's saying. And, you know, for us, if we want to live a life that glorifies Jesus, where does Paul start? What does he start with? And I'm going to start here and I hope you're all with me and you get this. But he says this. He says that we have to be born again. He says we have to be born again. He says in verse 3, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Amplified, in explaining this piece of being born again, it says, to be spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. You see, new birth is more than just a moral reformation or the mere exchange, right, of one set of beliefs for another. 
It's more than that. Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Dead people alive. This is our Jesus. You see, new birth is regeneration. It is the supernatural, mysterious work of the Holy Spirit that occurs within us when we do what? When we just respond to the gospel and we say yes to Jesus and we choose him as our Lord and as our Savior. At that moment, we become a new creation, not a renovated version of your old self. You see, the resurrection paid by Jesus for sin in full. And it was according to his great mercy, as Peter's telling us here, that we have been made new. He did it all. We did nothing. We just chose Jesus. You know, Jesus taught to the the disciples and he said, you know, you can't enter the kingdom of God if you're not born again. And we've been talking a little bit about the kingdom of God these last couple Sundays. And I think some of them had a hard time understanding that, but it's, it's simpler than you'd think. You see, the reason we can't enter is because without becoming a new creation, if we could do that in our own strength, then we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But he makes us a new creation, completely new. And Jesus accomplished that fully on the cross. We know this, right? So maybe, maybe you don't know this. So if you are hearing this for the first time, I just want to encourage you that when you hear this word being born again and you go, man, what is that? I don't know Jesus this way. Go and ask somebody. Go and talk to somebody that you know is a follower of Jesus and ask them. Let them share more. Because I want to encourage you that the first thing for us, if we want to live a life that gives glory to Jesus, is that we have to be born again. We have to allow him to make us a new creation. Amen? What else do I see when we look at this in Peter? The second thing is that we need to live with heavenly perspective. We need to live with heavenly perspective. You see, Peter points to the eternal when we read the scripture. He talks about inheritance, right? And then he talks about this coming eternal salvation that we have in Jesus. He's talking about what's eternal. And when he references inheritance, he refers to this inheritance as this, that which is imperishable, that which is undefiled and unfading. When everything around us fades, when everything around us gets old and has a shelf life, we have an inheritance that is eternal. And it lasts from now all the way through to eternity. How good is God? What an inheritance. You know, for me, I work in finance, and, I, and one of the things I get to help people do is transition their wealth to the next generation. And it's so interesting to see because somebody's worked so hard for all of their stuff, and it transitions to the next generation, not because those, those kids or grandkids earned it or they deserved it or they did anything for it, but simply because of who their parents are. They get to receive inheritance. And this is the same for this inheritance. Strictly because of Jesus and our relationship with him, and he calls us sons and daughters, right? When we come into this kingdom, when we're born again, guess what? We become heirs of inheritance. And you know, in the natural, you can watch people as they inherit money, and it's, it's so easy for them to squander it. It's so easy for that money to just come and go. You know, it kind of easy come, easy go. And 
you just, you see that happen for people in the natural. And often those people that are handing this down to the next generation paid a price. They worked hard for this. And I think about us. Jesus paid a significant price for the inheritance that we get, didn't he? We don't want to take that lightly. This inheritance came at a cost. It came at a cost. But thankfully, Jesus paid it in full. It says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We serve a good God. Amen? So we don't want to lose sight of this. Peter's reminding these people that are dispersed that we need to live with this heavenly perspective. You know, I think that sometimes we forget that we have access to heavenly perspective. I want to read a scripture in Ephesians 2. It says this in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us where? With him in heavenly places, right? In Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Friends, this heavenly perspective, being seated with with Christ in heaven, we didn't earn this position. We actually don't deserve this position. But he freely gives that, right? It simply comes by faith. It comes by faith and believing in Jesus. And he invites us up. And in his grace and mercy, right? Here Jesus is seated in heavenly realms and we choose Jesus and he goes, come and sit. Come and sit. Come and get some kingdom perspective. Come and get heavenly perspective. I promise you, whatever we're seeing in our lives around us, it looks a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot better when we get kingdom perspective. Amen? We got to get kingdom perspective. We got to get that heavenly perspective. And there's an invitation. I think we can just get so busy where we actually just forget, hey, that we have an open door to get that perspective from our loving Father that invites us to come and sit next to him. If you need courage, I want to tell you that if you live with heavenly perspective, God is going to give you the courage and the boldness that you need to live your life and to do what he has for you. Heavenly perspective will give us that courage and boldness. I promise you. And why is that? Because no matter what we face, when we have that heavenly perspective, we recognize that we have an internal inheritance that outweighs everything. That no matter what happens here in our lives, that we have eternal salvation in heaven. And that's a perspective that we want to be looking through in our lives if we want to live a life that glorifies Jesus. What else do I see? I see one other thing here to highlight, and that's this, that um, we, we live with heavenly perspective, but we also live by faith. Peter's highlighting this, that we're to live by faith. You see, God responds to faith. And it's through our faith that God keeps us secure. Look at what Peter says. He says in this passage, he says, By God's power, we are being guarded through faith 
So when we put our faith in Jesus, the power of God is released. And it saves us and it guards us. Paul writes this way when he references the power of God and faith. He says this, he says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So when we believe, the power of God moves and saves us. God has called us to live lives of faith. And living by faith releases the power of God to move in our lives. Living by faith releases the power of God to move in our lives. We need this. How many of you guys have gone through something in your life that you know you wouldn't have made it through if it wasn't for the power of God? I'm telling you, I have been through things. I have been through things that if it wasn't for the power of God in my life, I don't know if I would have made it. And I want to say that God has experiences and he has things for you, for you to walk through in your life, for you to go through that you're going to need the power of God. You're going to need the power of God and you access it through faith. It's that easy. You access it through faith. And here's a challenge that if in your life you don't need the power of God, if you feel like I don't need the power of God, can I say that you're not living in the fullness of what God has for you? God has a life that's going to require his power released because we're called to be a people of faith. And that is the life we want to live because that is the life that's exciting. That is the life that's going to be uh, a thrill that we're going to go through and not feel like we're going through the motions. It's going to be mundane. It's going to be exciting. That's what he has. And yeah, you know what? It's going to come with some trials and it's going to come with some obstacles. And Peter even addresses this with the people. He talks about it. He acknowledges the reality of people's situations and he addresses it. He just says, you know what? There's going to be, there's going to be testing. There's going to be various trials. He keeps it open and he just says various. Why? Because he's not trying to be specific. We all go through different stuff in life. Everybody was facing something different. But he basically says it's going to happen. So expect it. I know you don't want to hear that. But it's, this is the reality, right? We're going to go through some stuff. You know, sometimes things just don't make sense. But that's okay. That's what faith is for. If things don't make sense, we have faith. And we have a faithful God. And guess what? He promises to see us through. Amen? And sometimes there's hard times, but guess what? It's also okay. We are prepared as followers of Jesus. We are prepared for this. We're prepared for that. Why are we prepared? Because we've settled that we are to live by faith. And we know that in our lives, when we live by faith, the power of God comes, right? And moves in our lives and causes us to overcome, and we get through, and we move forward. Sometimes we just need a reminder of this. I think this is one of the amazing things about community and how God puts us together. Andy shared a bit on this last week. You know, we are in this together. God puts us together for purpose. And living a life of faith requires having some people around us to encourage us, to spur us on, to do life together, to go through things together. Paul said, uh, uh, actually in Ephesians, Paul said that 
that he, it says that he made us alive, right? Together with Christ. He said he raised us up, not just the elite few. There's not just an elite few that are raised up to heavenly realms. He didn't just make us alive as individuals. He made us alive together. He brought us together. He brings us together in community so that we can go through things together. We can face trials. We can celebrate the highs and be with each other in the lows. And as we go through life, yeah, there's going to be mistakes and sin. And the scripture tells us that we can confess sin one to another, not so that we can air our dirty laundry with each other. No, so that we can come alongside each other. We can encourage one another. We can spur one another on. We can build faith in each other. I'm so glad I don't have to do this alone. I'm sure you guys are. We don't have to do this alone. God has called us on an incredible adventure, right? A life of faith, and we do it together. Man, I'm stoked that this is how we get to do it, that we aren't lone rangers in this. You know, Peter understood this and when he explained it in 1 Peter 1.8. He says this, he says, By believing in him, we will rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Man, it's good to be happy with people you love around you, isn't it? We get to do that together. And as we go through life this way, living with heavenly perspective, living by faith, and we go through trials and testing in our lives, what is the result? And it comes down to this, what is the result for us? It's that our tested faith results in glory to Jesus. Our tested faith results in glory to Jesus. Have you ever owned something in your life that has been tested and proven? I brought something, just in case maybe you guys don't have anything. I know I'm not going to get Katie, but she definitely fits that mold. I'm going to show you a pair of boots. This is a pair of uh, hiking, hunting boots. I love these boots. These are good boots. I was told about these boots, that these are boots you want to own if you really want to do hunting and hiking. And, you know... I thought that they were a bit expensive and I kind of splurged and got them and I thought, well, you know, great. But I could leave these boots in my closet in the nice fancy box. Or I could put these boots on and give them a whirl. These boots have been tested. I have hiked mountains with these boots. I have walked through marshes and swamps. I have scaled shale. I have like climbed through logging slashes. These boots have been tested. They've been through it. These things have proved faithful. These things have been tested. These are my boots. They're reliable. As they were proven reliable, they became more valuable to me. Because I understand that I can... I can trust them. I can rely on them. They're going to do what I want them to do. And I think it's the same with our faith. Our tested and proven genuine faith will point people to Jesus. And there's something incredible about faith because testing does come. And it talks about this. Peter references this. He talks about it almost as refining. In the message, it says this. In verse 6 and 7, it says, Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. 
The other version just references various trials. This one refers to it as suffering. It doesn't always have to be suffering, but it can just be trials, stuff we go through. It's proved genuine. And then it says this, when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. What is this victory? The victory is the salvation of our souls. At the end of verse 9, it says, The outcome or the goal of our faith is what? The salvation of our souls. The outcome is the salvation of our souls. So the goal of our faith is not our comfort. It's not our convenience. It's not the stuff that fades and wears out. But our tested faith, right, will see us through, through eternity. Our tested faith will see us through to eternity and the salvation that we have. And you can take that to the bank. Just saying. (laughs) We go through this refining process in life. And as we go through this process, our faithfulness is tested and it's proved. And the more this happens, the more valuable it becomes to us because we know we can count on our faithful God. Remember, his faithfulness doesn't depend on our faithfulness. Aren't you thankful? You know, Paul understood this in one of his writings and he just said that he counted everything as a loss except for his faith that he had in Jesus because actually it was the only thing that was going to bring him through. It's the only thing that matters through to eternity. So as we are tested and proven faithful and tested and proven genuine time after time after time in our lives, guys, this gives God glory. This brings glory to God. And the result is praise and honor to Jesus, as Peter says. And this is what we're created to do, right? To live a life that gives glory to Jesus. So let's do that. Let's be a people that live a life that gives glory to Jesus. Let's live with heavenly perspective. Let's live by faith. We'll see God's power released, I promise you. And God will see us through. And Jesus will be glorified. Amen. I just want to invite the worship team up. Want to pray for us? I think as I go through this and I consider where we're at, I think I'm stirred. There's a hunger in me again. I'm reminded as I, as I press into his presence, you know, as I take a bite, I go, oh man, I'm hungry. I want more. I want to live this life. I'm sure you do. Why don't we stand? Why don't we pray? And then we'll worship. God, I just thank you. Thank you that you respond to us. Man, you are such a faithful God. And we want to be a people that live a life that glorifies you, that magnifies you in all that we do. In all that we do. And God, I thank you for your grace that this actually isn't about condemnation. The conviction might be real, but it's only just to draw us to you. Conviction is to draw us to you, to draw us closer, to get deeper into your presence. God, that we can walk in the power that you have for us, that we can experience the life that you have for us. And even now, wherever we are, God, we just focus our attention on you and we just say, come and be magnified in our lives. Come and reveal yourself afresh to us as we close in some worship 
as we focus on you. Amen.